You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. It is awesome to be here. What, what a privilege to be on the, the West Side of Los Angeles, like Ken shared. Uh, West Side is the, the map they give you of what Los Angeles is. So it is cool to be here. Um, we, Carrie and I, and Caitlin, and Lynn, my mother-in-law, and little Nathan, we, we just moved into Culver City. So, uh, we're, we're nearby, and we asked for advice, hey, we, we were thinking of moving to Westwood, cause I, I, I want to get up on campus at UCLA, so we went and looked at houses, hey, they were really expensive up there. Uh, but guess what, they were expensive everywhere on the west side, so that really wasn't the reason, it was, it was, we were asking about, well, we want to get to know everybody, and where do you think, and so a lot of the advice is, well, and I got to get my kids through the schooling, and, and they, they thought, well, maybe Culver City would be a good place, it's central to where we're at, so we got a house here in rent, in uh, Culver City, and uh, it's, it's great to be a part of the family, we, uh, we're dreaming for the future, I don't know if we'll stay here the long term, we're open-minded, I know Malibu is beautiful, it's up on the ocean, right, you get to see that. So I don't know if we'll be moving that far north ever, but uh, it's a cool place to live. Uh, this whole area, I just went to the Playa Vista area uh, the, the other day. I'd never seen that. I could not believe the just miles of new condos they built. And what an incredible place we live in. Amen. Uh, but so thank you for welcoming us. Thank you for having us. Um, moving is challenging. You know, Lena was talking about that. Moving's hard. It's 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 uh, uprooting. It's disjointed. It it's a strange thing. And I I shared the story a month ago when we came of really where uh, our mind was at and how God been, had been working. Uh, I do believe that God called us to come here. We're convinced that this was from God. You know, a number of years ago, uh, we had considered uh, interviewing for the position here before Ken and Lena uh, graciously came and have been leading in a powerful way. We considered con- the, the job and we considered the opportunity. And, and I, one thing I asked was I wanted the Holy Spirit to make it really clear. And at that time, that you know, every, all, everybody on my side of town was like, nah, it's not the right time. Don't, don't even think about it. And I do want to let you know that, you know, so many things happened over the last several months. I know the move went really fast. Uh, we had our going away party yesterday for the Inland Empire group. Uh, there were a lot of tears, but some of you were like, I cannot believe you've moved already. I mean, it happened fast because it was during the holidays and uh, I would have liked to have taken more time. I know that a process was was developed to take some time. And, and I thought a lot about that. And I, 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 you know, I think maybe we could have taken six months. But then I thought, you know, sometimes God... He moves quicker than that. Uh, he, he allows things to happen in a way, and, and I don't have all the answers. I just know that I felt like God was saying, come, and I do kind of blame Ken, because Ken grabbed me and said, hey, would you come to the west side? You know, he, he did say that. I gotta, I gotta give it, Ken, he, he, he appealed for us to come. And, and then, uh, I, I never told this story, but it was really amazing. When, um, I've shared it with a few of you, but this was back in our, our world conference in Panama. Um, Carrie and I, during these world conferences, when you go to awesome conferences, and of course we have a world conference coming up in a year and a half from now in uh, 2020, which I hope we all get to go to out in uh, Orlando, but at these conferences, God works in your heart. The Spirit's moving powerfully to, to, to direct you and change you and transform you. And during this time, you know, after that talk with Ken early in the conference, just him throwing this idea out in my mind, 
Uh, God began to work. And I remember by the end of the conference, Carrie and I were like, I think we're open to this. There's a couple more things that need to happen, but, but we need to let them know that we're open to it. And, and we're, we're going to wait and see if our, our lead evangelist out in the Inland Empire, uh, he had, uh, prostate cancer and we didn't want to, uh, even consider coming here to the West Side if he wasn't completely fine. If, if his, his cancer was, you know, was totally, uh, in remission or at least prostate cancer wasn't growing and the protocol would be he doesn't have to do anything at all uh, to meet that need. And so we weren't going to do it. It turned out, you know, that did work out where he's doing great. He's fine. But so all those things are in our mind. But right before we left the conference in Panama, Karen and I had this prayer and we said, okay, uh, God, you know, we're open to this. We'll, get, we'll call Ken and Lee when we get back. I hadn't seen them the whole time. And I'm running to get the elevator right before I'm heading down. This is our last day there. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, i got to call Ken and Lainey when I get back. And I open the elevator. And I hadn't seen them the whole conference for three, four days. And they're standing on that one elevator. And I'm like, what are you, you guys going to breakfast? Yeah. And so we went down and had breakfast with Ken and Lena and let them know we felt like God was working. We felt like there's the Spirit was moving. Lo and behold, here we are, you know, three months later, two and a half months later, and uh, God has worked in a powerful way. So thank you, uh, Westside, for having the Lounsbury family here. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. I do want to say that the Shumps, the Spass, uh, the Chows, Kenny, you, we, we are blessed in the West Side. Uh, just gifted people, talented people. Uh, what a blessing to have uh, partners in the faith. Uh, we, we look forward to serving with all of you. And just to see what we do here on the West Side, it's awesome to see all the things we're doing. Uh, so the theme, I had the theme. Go back to the opening screen. Let me talk about our theme. One family, one dream. That's the theme that we came up with for the new year. One family, one dream. And there were a lot of ideas thrown out on the theme. I know uh, Ken had said, hey, let's just call it good times. And I, I know he was joking. <laughs> he was joking. I thought he was serious, but he was joking. But... Uh, the truth is, almost anything will work when we get behind it. Almost anything will work because the Word of God is going to open our hearts. It's going to be the Word of God that transforms us. Amen? But of course, I don't know if you watched the Rams win the game yesterday. So we kind of stole their theme a little bit. Theirs is one house, one dream. Ours is one family because we are God's family. Amen? We are God's family, and it's not just the west side that our family really is encompassed by. Our family is the kingdom of God, is the family of God. It certainly comprises uh, the Los Angeles family of churches that we're a part of, our international fellowship. And anyone who is a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ becomes a family member of ours. Amen? I want to give you what is the main thing I want to try to accomplish today. And the one thing I want you to know and the one thing I want you to do. And that's a great way when you think about a sermon. What's the one thing I want to know and what's the one thing I want them to do? We find a scripture in Isaiah chapter 43. It says, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God has always wanted to bring people of every nation into his spiritual family so his name can be glorified. We are to know God and make him known. Many churches, that's their mantra. We are to understand that we are a part of something bigger than our physical family. In the New Testament, we find a verse that we're very familiar with in in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You're priests of the king, right? 
That's what royal priesthood means. We have a king. Jesus is our king. And we are all on the same team as Jesus, our king, serving in his family. We're a holy nation, a people belonging to God. We belong. We're we're not left alone. We're not empty. We're not without hope. We belong to a family that you may declare. And so here's the purpose. Here's the dream. To declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're going to be a family of God here. We're going to be a family of God that's not only unified here in the west side. It's unified all over Southern California. We're going to be unified all over the United States. And you know, what's awesome is as a West Side church, you know, you guys have played a tremendous job in evangelizing the Middle East. One of the the most challenging mission fields in the world. You've supported it for decades. And I know Mufid's coming into town in in a couple weeks. Um, He's coming in and hopefully we'll get a chance to see Mufid and hear from him. He leads our church in Lebanon. But but we want to have a heart and a mindset that we're a part of a worldwide spiritual family. Amen? Let's go to God and pray as we continue to study the Word and be inspired to build God's one family and God's one dream. Father in Heaven, thank You so much for this morning. Father, thank you for the privilege of being here. Father, I pray you will open our hearts and minds to study your word and be moved by our King, Jesus. Help us to act as he acts and to think as he thinks. Lord, we pray that uh, we would be unified as one family, a spiritual family with the Holy Spirit coursing through our spiritual veins. And Father, I pray that uh, you would give us your dreams, your dreams to make impact, uh, make an impact in every person's uh, aspect and challenge and difficulty. Father, that we could be a light, a city on a hill. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As a young Christian, I was baptized in 1990. I think I shared this last time, uh, right in Manhattan Beach. And at the time, I grew up um, really kind of non-religious. My father was atheist. He became an atheist back in the 1950s, when that actually was sort of an in thing, uh, some uh, bogus science experiment tried to prove that, you know, a life could be formed out of an electrical impulse in the primordial soup, and that's since been totally debunked. But he caught on to that and thought, see, that's a good, I'm going to be religious. And so, you know, his religion became no religion, atheism. So I grew up with a, and now that being said, he was extremely supportive to me personally. Almost anything I wanted to do, he has just constantly provided encouragement and support, even to this day. But my religious upbringing was very shifted all over the place. His parents were evangelical Christians. And so they ended up bringing me to a couple of Billy Graham crusades. And, you know, I, I learned a little bit about Jesus. And when you learn about Jesus, you don't easily forget. So I kind of, I had a belief in Jesus, but I wasn't a follower of Jesus. You guys know what I'm talking about? And going through college at UCLA, I sort of went off the deep end and tried all kinds of things and was invited out to a Bible study my senior year of college. And somebody had invited me out. I was down on the beach and they just said, do you ever think about God? And I said, I have been. And I went to the local Bible study and it began to transform my life as the word of God was unveiled. Early on in my Christian life, Luke chapter 4, verse 14 through 30 became some of my favorite verses. Because Jesus was the hero that I could follow. Jesus was that man that I could get behind with everything inside of me. All of us have a piece of us. 
that wants to be totally all in with something. Husbands and wives, we need to be all in with each other. But bigger than that, we want to, we want to have something we can be all in that never ends. Something eternal. And Jesus provides that for all of us. Amen. And so I want to read here this passage. I think it's very inspiring. And we're going to pull some, some uh, nuggets out of this about building God's one family and God's one dream. Let's begin reading in verse 14. And actually, I think I do have it up there on this one. I don't always put it on the screen, but today, if you don't have your Bible handy, you can follow along on the screen. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about Him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised Him. He went to Nazareth, where He had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, He went into the synagogue, as was His custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. So here's a guy. He says, he reads the verse and he says, Today, this scripture is being fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I am the fulfillment of the very verse I just read. And at first, here he is in his hometown, and they're like, this is great, this guy's good, I love hearing from him. And they say they're very positive, right? They, it says, all spoke well of him, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And then realism sets in. Hey, isn't this Joseph's son? I know that guy, what, what's going on here? Verse 23, Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Man, when I first read that, I thought, that is awesome. Here he, he doesn't cater to the crowd. He doesn't, this is his hometown. They knew him. But, but he's upset with complacency. He doesn't like hypocrisy. He's, he's not trying to just please people. And he, you know, I quite, I don't think I quite understood all the, the, the context when I first read it. But I, I understood that, that he offended his hometown crowd, you know, a place he'd always been preaching the word. And then they get so mad at him, they're going to drive him, throw him off a cliff. And, and you know what? The scripture leaves it mysterious here. You don't really quite know how this happens. 
You know, it says he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. I mean, you're not sure what does that mean? I mean, I always got the image in my mind. He's like, he just stared them all down. He's like, what are you going to do? What you got, man? And I thought, oh, I can follow him, right? I wanted to follow it. People are looking for heroes. We have the greatest hero. I know you guys all know this. Jesus is the ultimate hero, full of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about how we, we, we get a lot from this text, but I, I want to, I want to bring in these concepts of one family. See, Jesus, what we find in Luke chapter four in these verse verses, this is like a, a an outline, a program uh, from the book of Luke of the way Jesus is going to go about doing his ministry. And John the Baptist earlier had been saying, oh, Jesus is going to come, man, he's going to rebuke, he's coming with a sword, he's coming with judgment, you know, the Son of God is coming, it's going to be hard. But we find as he quotes that scripture that he says, I'm here to release the oppressed, I'm here to set the captives free. There, what you're going to find here is he comes and we see in Luke 4 a program of he's going to bring a sense of, of mercy and judgment. We'll talk a little bit about that as we talk about the dream. But he talks about right in the beginning that he's in the power of the spirit and he comes in the power of the spirit because right before this, he'd been out fasting and praying for 40 days. And when you go through the challenge of fasting and praying or you go through life challenges in general, it begins to prepare you spiritually. And I know the West Side has gone through a lot over the past decade. Uh, there's been challenges uh, and everyone here is a hero for fighting the battles uh, for not giving up, for, for struggling. And so many great victories. They see the new Christians on, uh, on the stage is awesome. But I know you've been through struggles. And, you know, our first point of build God's family, you know, one family, it, it, it's really based upon the idea that, that Jesus wants to build a spiritual family. And we see in the text that He is filled with the Spirit. And the kind of family we're going to be is going to be a spiritual and Spirit-led family. He'd been tempted. And He didn't give in. Now, I don't think any of us can claim the same. right? We, we get tempted and we falter. But spiritual people are people who don't give up. They're people who rely on the cross, as Kenny shared. They're people who honor the cross, and we get through it. Let's be a spirit-led group, and I want you guys to think about, have you been spirit-led lately? I know for, for Carrie and I, we wanted to feel like the spirit was calling us to where we needed to be. I think the spirit is constantly working. Something I've been learning lately is that the spirit is out evangelizing when you don't even know it. He's already there doing amazing things. We got to find where he's working and join him. When uh, when we were out looking, or actually on when we were uh, moving, um, I was out one day a little bit earlier than the rest of the family, and we stopped by Coffee Bean, and we got to run into uh, brother Zahid was there, right? And I, Zahid's a good friend of Tunde, a guy that uh, I had studied the Bible with and, and worked with back on the Inland Empire. But I thought that's so cool. Here we are moving, and randomly we see Zahid. He's so fired up. Give me a big hug. I didn't really know him, but I thought this is great. Disciples are everywhere around here. Uh, and then Carrie said she ran into Tony Newsom. We all know the Newsoms, you know. And it's like, yeah, this is great. You know, he's in his uniform. And then uh, I ran into Sabrina Gonzalez just the other day with little Nathan. I thought, yeah, man, this city really is filled with disciples. Everywhere I go, I'm running into disciples. And yet there's a million people here. How am I running into? We have, you know, 250 here or so. God's spirit is working. I know maybe it was just to encourage me. But I believe 
that He works like that. We got to open our eyes and be spirit led. We need to be a spirit led family. Jesus goes to his hometown. And you know, when you go to your hometown, people know you and they know your faults. Right? They know your weaknesses. They know the things you don't do well. And here he is preaching and, and everybody speaks well, but then they go, but he's Joseph's son. I want to call all of us to be spirit led and not see the faults, but let's see one another's gifts. Let's not see each other's sin, although we are going to deal with sins. Let's not look only at who we are and our sinfulness, but let's see what God can do with us. I believe we are that way. I'm seeing the, all the hard work going on here, setting up, running the church, so many things going on. James Land organizing the service this morning. I so appreciate that. Your gifts are being used. Let's continue to use them. For us to be a church that changes our society, listen, everybody's going to have to do some kind of, of serving. I, I would say 50% of the time, probably to run a, ch- a Sunday service, one, you're going to have to be serving in some capacity to make this thing fly. Uh, to take it to where God wants us, our gifts are going to have to come out. Amen? Let's be a spirit-led group, and let's let God work in a powerful way. You know, sadly, the isn't this Joseph's son idea can easily filter in our heart uh, or, or become, come out of our heart. Um, sen- sadly, our sense of self often comes from comparing and pointing out other people's fart- faults. And uh, instead of taking in the message... We look for the faults. We size each other up. It's too easy to size each other up, right? And, and to go, okay, I know that's kind of a lot of how I can be. I'll size you up. I'll be like, okay, well, this is, he's strong in this, but weak in that. See, so I'm good. And that's how we get our self-esteem. And that's not God's way. We're all a mess. We need the Spirit. The Spirit makes the family awesome. And we need each other. Amen? So, Jesus goes to his hometown. Uh, he'd been preaching in the whole vicinity. And sadly, people simply weren't responding the way he wanted them to respond. Um, so he's okay with that because he's going to go where he needed to go. He's going to respond the way he needed to respond. But let me bring up a few things, a few basics about what it's going to be like to be God's family. Amen. Um, one concept of, you go back to the last slide, James of being a spiritual family and being God's one family is we all have to understand that we belong to each other. Amen. Romans chapter 12 says that, right? Romans 12 says that that we belong to one another, right? We all have different gifts, but we belong to one another. We can't think of ourselves more highly than we ought. We have a personal relationship with God, but we don't have a private life. We need each other and we belong to each other. And as children born into a family, when a family has somebody, you know, a new child born into it, their whole life transitions. Any of us that have new babies, everything transitions. When anyone is added, all our our new, you know, Christians are added, that changes our fellowship. Because we belong and are connected to each other. C.S. Lewis came up with the idea of membership and he related the idea of membership from we are all members of God's body and related it to the church. Sadly, a lot of times when we are members of a church today, it's like uh, we're Ralph's Club members. And, and we have a little card that says I'm a member, but, but church membership's not really supposed to be like that. 
Church membership is, is family. Church membership is we are a part of something deeply integrated into our life on every level. We're connected like a human body and each part is important. Each part is crucial. And, uh, I, you know, Carrie and I want to, to be emotionally connected to as many of you as we can. I know I, I, I held back my heart from feeling all the, the changes that took place in the Inland Empire. But last night when we were sharing, you know, I was crying for two hours. And, and even when I, you know, I, I can get emotional. I, you know, sometimes I cry uh, during the sermon. Other times I don't. But, you know, it, it comes out at times. We, we got to be a family that's willing to be emotional, willing to be connected and hide nothing about our lives and what's going on in our lives. Um, you know, I'm, I'm inspired to be here, but yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. It's new. It's a new thing. I trust God. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to have some dark days, some tough days, just as you will have tough days and dark days. But we're a family. Family fights for each other and family tells each other the truth. Amen. You know, we're connected to each other just like a physical body. And you can imagine, you know, one part of your body, if the tiniest part of your body is hurt, every part will hurt as well, right? You'll be hurting. I remember when I was 31 years old, I went skiing up in Big Bear. This is when I still lived on the west side. So you can do the numbers of my age. And um, that was exactly 20 years ago. And I went skiing and I was going off. Back then I thought I could, you know, I, I, I love skiing. I went off a jump on the last run of the day. And it was one of those jumps where I'd never gone off it before, which is not wise because I didn't know what was on the other side. And it was the last run of the day. And you know your last run of the day, you want it to be awesome. And so I went really fast. And I went so high off the jump that there was no landing. And I landed and broke my skis. And my finger went in the ground. I broke my finger. Man, it hurt. And what I realized, you know, it was funny enough. I mean, I thought I, two days later I was supposed to run, uh, help a brother out running the L.A. Marathon. I thought, oh, I'll join you in it. No, that wasn't going to happen because I, I ended up having surgery where they took a piece of my hip and put it in my finger to fix the bone that had cracked because I had a little tumor in this tiny little bone. And what it made me realize is my your, our whole body works together. We all need each other. I needed that marrow from my hip to put in my finger so that I would be whole. All of us are needed. If we lose one part then the whole body is going to mourn. And church membership will not just be about being a club. And it's not just about Sunday attendance. Although it's awesome we're here today. It's got to be more. It's our whole lives. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what our family is all about. And I know that you guys have given your life up. We can't simply be in the body. Imagine if you had like your kidney disconnected from everything, just sitting in your body. What would happen to it? It would shrivel up and die and you'd get sick and you might die. Right? I mean, you can't have a piece of your organ not connected with all the sinews and all the uh, all the nerves and all the blood vessels and all the... You've got to stay connected. That is what God intends the body to be like. His family needs to stay connected. And we're going to need intense involvement in each other's lives. We're going to need discipling. I believe... The scriptures teach discipling. We are a discipling movement. We believe in learning from each other. The young can learn from the old, and the old can learn from the young. And discipling doesn't have to be just one way, right? It, it, it needs, there's many ways to get discipling. The scriptures are clear. We need discipling in our lives. We need training in our lives. We need intense involvement to become the people that God intends for us to be. 
And I know the staff is committed to this. I know the Chows and Spaths and Lounsberries, we're committed to being in each other's lives and discipling one another, training one another. I talked to Steve and Jackie uh, Marici, you know, getting together with them on a regular basis to help us with our life, help us with our thinking. Mike Rock, who oversees the Inland Empire Church that we came from, I asked him, hey, we still want to get time with you. And I talked to Steve and Jackie, hey, can we, can we get time, all three of us together? That way we can be connected as a whole L.A. church. And they're both like, yes, we're behind that. We need one another. We need discipling. We need training. And I hope that you believe that and feel that way about, about your own development spiritually. You're going to need people in your life uh, when the times get tough. And you're going to need people in your life like Kenny was saying, hey, he had the hard talk about how he's being prideful. And he listened. Amen. He was getting the discipling and he took it. And I'm proud of him for that. Uh, Kenny's awesome brother. One family, church. We need to build one family together. And here's the thing. There was a, a story that I read some time ago about a guy who decided to leave a legacy for his hometown. This is in like the 1700s. And to leave the legacy, he was trying to figure out what he could do. And in that town, almost everyone went to church. And the church was dilapidated and all that. I will build a brand new church and come up with all the plans. So the guy came up with this plan to build this awesome church had all these contractors building it in that town, and he didn't tell everybody all the exact details. And when it was all done, it was beautiful. It was awesome. It fit everybody. But then one person pointed out, he said, listen, there's no, there's no lighting. There's no place for lanterns. Back there, everyone had to bring their own lantern. Or they had to have, the church had some big lanterns already set up in there with oil to keep them going. And what they realized is that he had on the wall a little hook where each family would end up sitting for church. And they were to bring their lantern. And he says, when you are here, your space will be lit up. And there will be light to fill this room. And when you are not here, a darkness will be where you are not. I think there's a lesson for us there. There's something to showing up. There's something to being there. There's, you know, showing up matters. Showing up matters not just for Sunday. We said Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of our lives. He owns us. He owns our time. He owns our future. And He is gentle and kind and visionary. But He wants you to give Him those things that you said you own, Lord. And so we need to show up. We need to be a church that shows up for whatever we're doing. It's your ministry's having events. It's your ministry. You be there. When the church as a whole is meeting, we need to be there. We're disciples of Jesus. We are one family. Amen. And we're going to have a dream. And I don't even have the dream yet because I want you to come up with the dream. And I want to hear it from the other staff guys. And I'm not sure what all the dreams, but I know God has a dream to change the world. God has a dream to use the West side to be a beacon of light. Don't you agree? Well, I have a verse on the screen. I want to just leave you guys with this verse from point one. It's, my dear friends, this is the message version. I love this. This might resonate even here. My dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off of, uh, from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back. And I know for me, I've been a disciple for a long time. And I have friends that are not faithful to Jesus. And it hurts me. And, I, and it pains me. But God's call is done. We don't write them off. 
We don't write them off. We don't write each other off. We don't discard anyone. We are all valued here. And, and I know all of us know some people that used to be here, and they're not now. We're going to build one family. We're one family if they're a part of another ministry. Amen. But some aren't. They're, they're feeling disjointed. And as a church, we've we got to have this heart. Man, we're going to be a family of God. We're going to, I don't care what's gone before. And we need to let go of whatever may have hurt us or whatever struggles or bitternesses or discontents and be like, we're going to be a family. And we're going to welcome people into this family. Amen? God has a dream for you guys. God's one dream. What is his one dream? It's to change the world. And Jesus had this dream and he comes in, he comes on the scene and he wants to unveil the dream. And I, I think, you know, the verse that we have, let's go to the next point. Um, one dream. This verse really is God's dream. This is a dream for you. This is the heart of Jesus. This is the Holy Spirit. It comes from Isaiah chapter 61 when Jesus stands up to read. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. We bring good news. And good news is different for different people in different cultures and different circumstances. But the gospel is good news for all people of all time, in all circumstances, wherever you're at. It's good news. I loved hearing from Kara, who just got baptized. And she shared about how she was wanting God to speak to her. And he did. Jesus spoke to her and opened her eyes. And she began to read the scriptures and be transformed by the scriptures in a powerful way. Jesus reached out to her in a, in a place where she felt oppressed by life. She felt an emptiness. And I could, I could relate to that. And Jesus is interested in proclaiming good news to the poor. In proclaiming freedom for the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind. To release to, uh, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I tell you, this year, 2019, is the year of the Lord's favor for the West Side. Amen? Amen. 2019 is the year of the Lord's favor. And here's how I can say that. Every year is the year of the Lord's favor. <laughs> and we know that's true too. Every year is the year of the Lord's favor. Our God is a God of mercy and judgment. And I had talked about this a little earlier. That when Jesus came on the scene, and what you'll find as you try to walk the walk of a Christian, is that you're going to have to balance the tension of mercy and judgment in all things. And in our inner being, we strive and we long and we want so desperately for things to be crystal clear on every issue. Or we want to know how to handle every decision. And sometimes it's just not easy. The longer you're a Christian, the more messy situations you're going to get involved in. Difficult theological situations. Difficult relational situations. You know, your question could be, should I show up for midweek early or not? That might, for you, that might be a huge dilemma. And, you know, here's the answer. It's not always clear. There might be a reason not to show up early that day. I think most days you should come early. But there might be a good reason you don't. I don't know all those answers. There's a tension that God wants us to wrestle with. And see, when Jesus comes on the scene, he preaches this message of kindness. Interestingly, in the verse we read, he leaves out, he leaves out in the Isaiah passage, it actually ends with, and God's vengeance is coming. And Jesus leaves it out when he preaches to the, to them. But of course, as soon as they don't respond to him, we read the text, he tells them, well, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites and God's gonna go to people who are open. 
And they got mad even further. But he does bring mercy. His first intention is welcomeness, being welcoming, being hospitable, wanting people to feel welcomed. And I hope as a church, that's the way we can uh, approach our mission is everyone is a possibility of becoming a disciple. There is no one that God has discarded and doesn't care about. Everyone can make it. And if you look across the room, this is an awesomely diverse group. You guys are diverse. We need to stay that way and continue to do that. That's 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 L.A. And we need to be L.A. And, and we're going to reach out to the rich and we're going to reach out to the poor, just as Jesus did. Amen. As the crowd in Nazareth was given a choice, we too are given a choice. Will we think cynically and critically about the message that God brings? Or will we have an open heart and respond to our hero? You know, Jesus breaks the rules. He breaks all the rules. His goal was to reach out to the women His goal was to reach out to the poor. His goal was to reach out to people outside of Israel's inner circle. His dream is an all-nations dream. His dream is an all-people's dream. And Westside, I hope that we can grab a hold of the one family dream and the one nation dream. And I want to close out with a quote from John Winthrop. He was the Puritan leader from New England who was coming over in 1630 to plant a new plantation, a new city in Boston. And he goes on and he basically tells them, listen, we have been commissioned to do something, but we better be faithful. And he says, for we must consider that we shall be as a city on a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. Let's build God, God's one family and let's build in line with God's one dream. Amen. I love you guys. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.